Welcome to Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. John Vardy steps up for the deaf kick. Blocked by the goaltender. Goal rejection. Alright guys, welcome to Season 2 of the Upper 90 podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. We are back again. Um, Dan McCarthy, your host as always, joined by the usual suspects, club director Carl Dixon. What's your new title, Sam? You can call me whatever you want, mate. <laughs> what, what have we got now? What's the club website say? Clubman. Clubman? <laughs> whatever needs doing, I'm your man. Clubman. We'll give him his assistant director title, Sam Fairhurst. And for our first episode of the new series, we've even brought in an exclusive guest, Club Presidente. Ben Padnos, welcome to the pad. Welcome to the pod, Ben. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. He's in, he's here to announce his twenty twenty. Uh, you know, re-election. Day. Yeah. Re-election. yeah. <laughs> You're coming back. So very excited to kick these things off. Um, we're going to go straight into what's happened. New Year. You know, we've had the Christmas break. Tryouts have happened for our club. We'll get into that a little bit later. But a lot of changes at Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Exciting things for our listeners, members. Parents, players, coaches alike. Probably the best man for the job. Carl, club director, Carl Dixon. Maybe want to give us a quick insight into you know what's changed, what you've introduced, what's going on. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, over a couple of years now, we've seen fantastic growth and you know made some really good changes in the community and our club. So this year we wanted to push our club in a more competitive way and look at you know how do we offer more from the soccer side and how do we offer more of a development curve from you know the starting point to the highest point so typically you know we add our branded names black red and white who all run under one structure and this year we now have two structures within the club so we have elite teams and premier and select teams so our elite teams train three times a week and they run off uh, different schedule than our premier and select teams they've also got assistant coach roles built into it and complete oversight by the director who is myself we've then got premier and select teams so very similar to our previous product that we offered they practice twice a week you know we'll get our skill sessions the tournament schedule is not as heavy but you know they still get in three to four tournaments a year and those t- teams are overseen by the assistant director, aka the club man, Sam Ferris. So something that we wanted to do was make it where our kids within our club would have something to strive for. So now, if you are a new member to our club, you can come in. Say you're you make a select team. You know you're trying to work your way up the ladder, and the only way you work your up, way up is by, you know add more tools to your game, taking a little more serious, and then hopefully by the end of your journey, you can maybe get to whatever level you want, which the highest level in our club is the elite teams. So that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, great. Uh, might as well get Ben straight onto it as club president. How do you feel about these changes, Ben? Well, I think what we wanted to do was move away from a, a one-size-fits-all for everybody, right? So there's different skill levels, there's also different levels of commitment. 
And as we pushed to be more competitive, we wanted to have a product so that kids wouldn't feel the need to, to go to a different club like Beach or Galaxy. So we want to have a product for everybody. Um, if you're someone with multiple sports, if you're not quite as serious about it, we've got a great product for you in a Premier and Select. If you want to play at that next level, really shoot for Flight One, play Flight One. It's your it's the lead sport, the main sport that you're focused on. You're real committed. You want to, you want more soccer. You want to play three days a week. We've got a product for you as well. So and I and I the numbers of what I can speak to from going from early tryouts and rolling out this new structure you know, really speak for himself. We have 30 teams plus two kind of development teams for the 2012, 32 full teams, over 400 kids. You know, it's it's a record for us in kind of this new regime since there was a split off maybe six years or so ago. But it's just a fantastic number of kids and families. And, you know, that's that's what we're here to do. Fantastic. Sounds like all positive. I mean, we might as well get the club man involved seeing as you do, you know, everything in the club. We'll get you involved, right? Go on. Yeah, so not not really much to add. Uh, these two pretty much explained it all. All I'll add is uh, we did bring in some new coaches. We brought in some new teams. The only thing we weren't able to bring in was a new host for the podcast. But we're still, <laughs> we're still looking. If uh, if anyone's got a few hours on a Monday morning, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> I actually got an email from uh, a member in the club. Uh, Jeff Brown said he wanted a host, and he's got a really good Southern English accent. So. <laughs> It Is that Jeff Brown who drives a Toyota Corolla? <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff Brown who, you know, he's leading the way on Brown Field, that oh. field. <laughs> The new Dorsey Field. <laughs> so anyway, going off the obviously wonderful host that we have, let's go back onto the new staff, Sam. Let's talk a bit more about that, shall we? Uh, who do you want to start with? Well, your buddy, right? One of your, you brought one of, the, one of your friends, one of your college buddies into the club, uh, great yeah. coach. So we added a, a second Lopez, um, Edison Lopez, goes by Eddie. Uh, from Brazil uh, Eddie's a guy I played in college with in Ohio uh, very good soccer player he was recently back in Ohio coaching the college team and then he moved to Santa Monica found himself a wife and decided he was going to set up life in California which I don't blame him when he did uh, we were able to get him in to come and work for the club which is brilliant Fantastic I mean maybe we can shoot over to Prez Let's talk about a little bit about Talita, our new coach Talita. Maybe you can give us a good insight into her. Sure, awesome. Well, I mean, one of the focuses I think I have and on the board is we want to show the parents that we're just as committed to the girls' side of the of the house as we are with the boys. And we brought on this awesome uh, coach. Anybody, you can we can Google her and embarrass her and see how good she's got a bunch of videos on YouTube about what a baller she is. I think she'd give I think she'd give you Dan a run for your money out on the pitch. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> she's resilient, so she wins. Yeah, so Talita Pereira, you know, coach. She's a new three team coach. Um, in one of the reference checks I did, I spoke with someone who was on the women's national team, and she said, "I don't give out compliments easily. You've got yourself just a fantastic coach." So thrilled to have her. What's she doing? The O fives, O sixes. What's her third team? She's oh, nice. oh, yeah, O nines. It's just awesome. I mean, she's going to be a great coach and brings intensity. She's soft spoken, but I think she uh, speaks softly and carry a big stick. Yeah, no, great addition to the club. I echo everything you just said there. And finally, not to be forgotten. The Southern man, Aaron Kendrick, maybe, you know, with your affiliation with Marlborough High School, you guys will coach together. Carl, you can give us a little insight into Aaron, a.k.a. the Wally with the Broly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, he's a DJ uh, and I met him on a night out. No, uh, yeah, got working with him at the school. 
he's very relatable to what we expect in the club. He worked for a coaching company, you know, with he was mostly based in the Valley area and you know, he's fantastic with really every age group, good personality. He's from Essex, right? Or just outside Essex. So it's, no, he's Bournemouth, isn't he? it's nice to have somebody who's from the south of England Southern with actual Outdoor. personality in the club. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he's a perfect fit, gun ho. I think a lot of people will see him around. He's going to be working with the 2012 age groups, which we're very excited about. I think that's going to be a great introduction to the club, just having someone very outgoing, smiley and excited. So, yeah, good addition right there. Fantastic. Three good additions to the club. We're not missing anybody, right? Well, we are. We're missing some people. What about the people that left, Carl? Do we want to talk about that? or No comment. <laughs> Prez, anything on that? <laughs> No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I know the club now has got something to say. He always, he's always got something to say. Sam, um, do it for the list. This would probably be a good time <laughs> to just remind everyone that I used to live in Florida. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, other than, other than that, no comment. No. <laughs> right. So all exciting times ahead for the club. You know, lots of changes, positive changes, heading into a new direction with the club. How about... Um, any teams that are needing players, maybe, or anything we need to add to that, Carl? Any more advertisement for the club? Anything we need to push forward as, as we head into this new direction? Anything that the listeners maybe want to hear? Anything, any Before we get to the parent questions later, maybe something we can say to yeah, we're still, echo what we've done. You know, our GO6 age group with Talita, we're, you know, I know she's going through a few players right now, but we're still looking a few players there. There's opportunity. Uh, we've also got opportunity on our boys 2010 select two team you know so anybody out there who's looking some good coaching you know in a kind of nice and relaxed environment there's good opportunity there and you know everything else is pretty set but that's one more coach oh ben you're right yeah that's one more coach that's a special announcement that only got finalized really just deadline day deal. Yeah, the pink slip went in just before the deadline, Jim, didn't it? Jim White flew into. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last bit. Do we want to save that for episode two, or do we want to get it cracking now? Yeah, we'll, big we'll announcement. Save it. Let's let's save it. Let's save, save it. it. Yeah, we'll save that. We might yeah. even get him in to have a chat. Big guest. Grill him. You know. Grill him. Yeah. We'll, we'll get him in. Um, official announcement. Expect a picture of the club scarf coming up on the Instagram soon. <laughs> and interview on the website. Uh, anything else, gents? For. You know, introducing new club changes for part one. Anything else we want to echo? Prez, want to round it off? Anything? I'm just excited for the season. You know, are we going to talk about uh, the tryouts? Or is this is that part of section one? Oh, yes. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, cool. We knew you were. Well, there you go. Well, no, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a real interesting conversation. It was, I mean, they were probably the most heated discussions that we had, both in the board meeting as well as... You know, kind of with the management and staff. Management meeting. Yeah, the management meeting. I mean, do you do you? And we did something a little bit unorthodox, um, taking some risk in in doing tryouts early. The thought process, from my perspective, is that there's so many things in calendar year that it made sense, and it was it it, it, it as we pushed to toward trying to take things a little more seriously, especially at the elite level. We felt that having a head start on some of our local competitors, having it early. And may, maybe have us the ability to make some tougher decisions, right, with kids. If we're going to move kids up, if we're going to move kids down, if we're going to not have invite kids back at certain things, which are gut-wrenching decisions for you guys. I mean, I know how hard it is. But to take it to the next level, you sometimes have to have to not just be the nicest 
club in the world. You have to make tough decisions. So we did this and we went early and we surprised a lot of people, but it had two effects that we thought would have. Is we got the all the kids that we thought were going to come back came back, right? And it and it got even more kids. I think we had something like 90 to 95% of our kids who registered showed up where historically when we do it late or at the same time as say a beach or a galaxy or strikers, we might have 60 or 65 kids show up who register. So the the end result for me, you know, thinking community wide of having over 400 kids in our club, building from the back with our 2011s and 10s and even putting together kind of club light teams at the 2012 age group is a reflection of going early, kind of going for it, having really great organization, really great communication, and hopefully it leads to kind of a long-term, uh, really healthy, strong club for Sand and Surf. Yeah, anything on anything to echo on that, Carl? I guess being part of the decision process and the planning process to make trials go early? I think what's interesting, you know, and we, we've had feedback from other clubs as well, is the question on, you know, why we did our tryouts early and you know what was it all about and a lot of people think it was to get ahead like to get ahead of other clubs and do it first so then we can pick up all the kids which is totally the opposite of our decision you know the calendar year was a big part of it uh, and I think the other part was letting our kids know where they stood so we can organize mm-hmm. our groups you know and, and to be honest it also helped our coaches. We went into the Christmas period. The coaches got to enjoy the new year. And then when we came back, everybody in our organization either returned to their team or knew that they could now go on this adventure to seek what they wanted to seek if they weren't getting it here. And I honestly think it was the easiest tryout process I've ever been part of in terms of that was very quick and we were back at it so you know will we be surprised that other clubs will go earlier no but I don't think they'll be able to execute it in the way we did and I think just because we pretty much have 95% of the same kids return every year and only add a couple of pieces here and there it's it it won't be easy for the other organizations to to give that a go so I thought it was great. You know, I know we're going to get into State Cup next, and it might have played with State Cup a little bit, but all in all, I think it was very successful. Yeah, no, as a coach, I'll just throw my two cents real quick. As a coach, I felt like it made Christmas break a lot more easier, yeah. a lot less stressful. It was nice to know that we were coming back to a fresh start, a brand new start of our new teams. Exciting times, right? You want to get back to work, you want to get back on the field. and. Definitely exciting, I think, and I agree with you also that the tryout process was, in my three years in the club, was a lot smoother than it's ever been. Decisions were made easier, they were more ethical, and it was just a smoother process in getting the kids on the field, getting everybody getting a fair look, a fair chance. And I think the parents appreciated how well the tryouts went as well. I only heard positive feedback from that. Everybody got a fair chance. And like like Ben said, you know, we've created more teams than ever. We've got higher-level teams than ever, and... It's only all positive for me. So as a member of staff and as the host of the podcast, I guess I could chuck in my two cents. No, all good. I think a good point was this was probably the first year that I don't think a lot of coaches felt messed around. Uh, 
you know right with we, the game that some, yeah some, yeah of tryouts at competitive clubs yeah. and half commitments exactly and like that, yeah right? I, I think where we said let's just tell everyone where we stand yeah. and majority return anyways yeah those one or two that did want to go elsewhere really were honest with us and that's all you expect going through the trial process like if you are looking for another club tell your coach talk to the director of that club get the advice and there's an environment built around triad sometimes that's i don't know it's fickle and it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah it is and this was the first year where you know we offered a kid a spot maybe on our elite team or and they said you know what we can't accept we're going to have a look at the other triads and great now we know what you guys are thinking and guess what we're going to look at couple of kids off that group and maybe promote them up now it creates more opportunity so i think that was definitely the key point for me so a lot more transparent process yeah for sure yeah go on we'll give you i'll just chime in and we always do solicit feedback so we're we've heard overwhelmingly positive but i would love to hear i'm happy to hear from the community of people of listeners if they're individual concerns or how you felt the tryouts if it if it if it didn't work for you i'd love to hear why so please you know, feel free to reach out and uh, offline, obviously, and, and, and share your, your feedback. But overwhelming, overwhelming positive feedback. I mean, you, th- those nights were so fun to go to because there was just so darn many kids. Mm. They, right? weren't, they weren't that fun to organize. Yeah, they're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed that you guys are calling it so organized because there were so many kids. 700. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've just never had numbers like this. It was just awesome. And, it's, and it was... It was because we went early. It was because we, we did have a first shot. But we'd also it's also a testament to what we're building in the community. The red training jerseys, you know, our commitment at Village Field, having local fields, like the continued work that we do with the summer camps, our winter development program, our organization, our communication. It really, you know, I'm not oh, just yeah. our, 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 our rocking podcast. There it's is. not just there patting is. ourselves on the back, but I really do think we're doing a lot of things the right way. And we're becoming kind of the, the, no, the no doubt go-to place for club soccer for, for Manhattan and Hermosa Beach. I'd agree, I'd agree, I'd agree with all that, yeah. No? Sam, seeing as you do the intro to the podcast, do you want to do the exit for part one? No, I don't have anything lined up. No, I do. (laughs) See you in part two. (laughs) Heading into part two of the pod. First week back in season two. Going to kick things off with uh, State Cup. Going to talk about the approach that the club took, the level of State Cup, maybe some coaching and parent experiences so far, and just a kind of a whole general outlook and roundup on State Cup so far. Um, the approach from the club, maybe we can go with Sam on that. Um, kind of where we're looking at as a club from the calendar. Yeah, we're going to get you in, mate. So the, club, the club's approach to it, how it fit in our calendar, things we change, <coughs> our outlook, our mentality, how we looked at it this year, maybe different as club man. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, well, it was a little bit... M- Slightly different approach this year. Usually it's the end of the year tournament and it's kind of what you, you build towards. This year we kind of flipped that and it became a, a start of year tournament where you kind of use it to get to know your new team and uh, it just kind of starts the year off straight into a tournament. Uh, for my two teams, my girls 2010s played in it and my boys 2010s played in it and it was it was pretty good. The The level was okay for us. Um, it was just nice to kind of we did a couple of weeks of practice and then get on the field and play some games it was nice to see what the boys were all about and the girls as well the boys is a little bit different because I added six new players the girls 
I added one new player, so the team was pretty pretty steady. Uh, but yeah, it was just good to get out there right away and not have to wait till kind of middle of spring for you to have a, an actual game. Did you notice any? I saw you mentioned there was a big change in one team and then not so big change in the other team. Did you notice like a cohesion, like a difference of cohesion, a difference in togetherness and commodity on the field because of so many changes in one team and not on the other? Did one team do better uh, than the other because of that? The, the team that actually changed more did better than the other team. <laughs> but that was because they were playing in a in one of the lower level, the lower divisions of the State Cup. Right. Um, it was good for that team because we were kind of a middle flight three team last year we added six players who I would put in maybe the middle to the top of my team from last year so we got a little bit stronger and obviously we're playing the same type of opposition so we actually did really well um, <clears throat> my girls team that stayed the same we were actually a, a middle to top flight two team and the division that we played in then contained low flight one teams so it was a little bit more challenging for them Still good, good to play against those those teams and see where we're at. But kind of two, I'd I'd call them similar experiences. Both pretty good. Yeah, fair enough. And then you mentioned the level there. We'll jump over to Carl more about so the overall level of state cup kind of things as you've watched and coached in it the last few weekends. You'll kind of spill on what you've seen from state cup on the field more so far. For our club, I I just think, you know, it's really another weekend against competition. For me as a coach, you know, Man City Cup, Surf Cup, Swallows Cup, whatever cup it is, it's just an opportunity for the kids to get to play games. Uh, my 2010 team got to play four games out of it. Brilliant. You know, if you didn't get four, you got three. And you just use that as a situation to what do you need to work on? How did it go and move forwards? I, th- I think Stay Cup has built into this massive machine where you know it's become the the mindset has become so robotic that everything is based upon that and really is it you know the 2010 team who wins state cup what happens after that you know more than most times they're not even a team a year later you know so i think as a coach i just focus on it's a chance to get competition it's a chance for the kids to play you know, yeah, you get to go away with a weekend with each other. I think that's super cool. You get to hang out with the families. That's even better. And I think if more coaches, families and teams approach that, you'd probably see a better level game being played out on the field. I'd, I think what's interesting about State Cup is because it's all different leagues that get to enter it, you get to see a definite different style of teams, which I think is... It's kind of good and bad. So the 2010s have the build-out line and they have all that. And definitely, I think SCDSL really do focus on trying to push that through. And a lot of the teams do play the build-out and try to play this build-out style soccer. But the teams that were maybe in the Presidio League and, you know, satellite teams just you know worked around it and played very direct and the game that they're looking to try to teach at the younger ages isn't happening so obviously that's a bad thing but the good thing for the kids is they get to adjust their game and see you know play play a different style so when someone's building out of the back and passing and it's all in front of you you know it's kind of easy to keep your shape in that but then when a team's launching bombs 
at you in your box, it's very hard to handle. So the kids have to adjust their game, figure that out. So it's just interesting that getting to see the different styles, the different levels. I think as well, getting to see the reactions of fans. <laughs> you know, like this weekend, my 2010 team played a, a club called Dynamo. Uh, they were very talented. You know, and it was fun to see. And every time the st- team scored a goal, they actually had a chant, like like a rehearsed <laughs> chant that went on for like thirty seconds. And it, it was quite funny, but also quite annoying. But it just you know you could see like people are really invested in it. You know, and the emotions are all over the place. So might be the Ukrainian. How many times did they do that chant? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Couple, couple, couple times. yeah, yeah, a couple times, yeah. one or two or three, maybe. But yeah, I bet it's not as good as the Real Sokal chant. Oh, no, it's better. Like, no, they, they had a clap, not. it was like, you know, Dynamo, and there were a couple of claps in there, you know, and then there was like an arriba at the end of it. There was, there was all sorts. So, I think one of my kids at one point said, like, how do we get parents sent off? Because they were, you know, they, the chant was coming out of bad parts of the game, but it was. I just think that's a fun part. I think it's like any team when you go to the the big tournaments like Albion Cup used to be Man City Cup. Like it's a cool experience, mm-hmm. but I think if people approached it more as it's three games we're working on this stuff. They're under the age of 14, 15, you know, they're not looking at college right now. It's just all development. I think it would be an even better weekend, so that's my thoughts on it. Did you notice, so you talked about different styles of play with the different leagues, so you mentioned a couple of leagues there. Did you notice, because I know you watched older games, I know you coach the younger team only, but you watched older games from the other teams in our club, and did you notice a style difference with older teams coming from different leagues, or was it more just for the younger guys because of the build-out line? Obviously, in the older games, you don't get the build-out yeah. line, so did you notice that, for example, 2006s or 2007s, 2008s, because they don't have that build-up line, did the other teams in different leagues still play differently to how they, maybe you see in the I think it's, it's just the case of coaches, some coaches go to State Cup just worrying about State Cup and getting to the final and winning, mm-hmm. and then other coaches go to it just continuing to work on what they're trying to get out of their kids over the course of the year. I think that's the only difference and that's where you see the mixed styles and that's where the argument comes into it like is winning everything what does it mean how do you get the balance right so you know it's it's that environment which you know makes it tough like for an example and we'll talk about it when Ben's here his team the 07s who were in National Cup this weekend me and Ben watched the game and Fram who's a who's a competitive team in that age group they don't play an attractive style of soccer. They play a very direct style. Uh, you know, kids are shooting from big distances. Long balls are very popular in that team. And it works for them. They play off those mistakes. And they, they're individually, they're very technical. Which So if balls drop around the box, they can score goals and whatnot. And our team actually got drawn into that game throughout that game and it worked against us in the end during the start of the game we were building out all these nice passes from the back we were creating chances and then the kids the moment we couldn't get that goal from there we reverted and the game became very direct and what was interesting when I was talking to Ben was that team are shooting from you know their half right 
what what does that help now that they go eleven v eleven next week? A right back cannot shoot, you know, and it's just little things like that where you notice. I think in that moment, their coach was focused on that result, that win, where Ben walked off the field. It was a tied game, and he was disappointed that we didn't stick to our game plan of playing a, a nicer style on the floor and keeping it that way. And then looking at, we're moving to 11 v 11 now. We, we shouldn't be doing that. That's a bad habit, etc. So uh, that's, I think that's a good, but overall, the State Cup that I've watched so far, it's, it's been fun, you know, the competition's different and, you know, wins and losses, that's any sport, right? Yeah. So. Let's get to the knockout round now, big time, isn't it? So, those <laughs> of you got your Vuvuzelas and your Rattles, it's time to get them on the sidelines because yeah. now, it's now big time. Prez, as a parent in the club as well? Sure. I, you know, it's funny, as I'm listening to you guys, what I'd say is I have a love-hate relationship with State Cup, right? And intellectually... I know that it's just another tournament, but there's so much marketing hype and buzz, and it, and it is a gimmick, right? It's a big marketing multi-million dollar machine state cup and the sweatshirts and things like that. And I can say in, in the five years, I think my son's played now one year with my daughter, we have not bought one sweatshirt one year ever. So I have not played in, but at the same time, there is something about it. And it's almost the, the, the March madness component of advance and you move on to the next weekend. Yeah. That, 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 right. That's what makes it special. It's not just a weekend tournament where you can win a cup in three games. It really is for, for, for our teams, I think as a club, the measurement may not be in winning state cup. It may be how many games do you get to play or how many teams advance, right? Like that would be a measurement I would say from a board level. Hey, how many teams advance this year out of opening weekend and how many means? So it's happened. The 07s, I can't remember, have advanced to like the third or fourth. They've, they've advanced historically, you know, we we're probably a seven minute span away from advancing this weekend, but a win and two ties in national cup, not losing a game is a pretty good, is, is pretty good. Yeah. I think that's a big feat coming off, what, three games and the coach is saying we should have won all games comfortable. Yeah. Right. And certainly two. So in national cup, in national cup playing at flight one, it's oh, seven as well. 99, what probably one of the most popular ages. Yeah. Lots of competition. Yeah. So, so that's, so that's awesome. What I'd also say is, you know, the timing for me, it's always bothered me with State Cup in that it's mid to late January or into February now, whereas league season ends in November. And if you run, really want a true barometer of how your team is playing, yeah. State Cup should be mid-November or first week of December, right? Because right, coming right off of league, because that's yeah. when your team really, you know. And that's where I feel comfortable as a club kind of evolving into this tryouts in December kickoff of a new season because it is in February and it really has no connection to how the team was playing in September, October, November in the heart of league season. So I think as a club, I think the focus should continue to be how do we do in league and what level are we playing in November? And I think we tried last year. It, it, it didn't work out because of weather, but we tried to do that December tournament. You yeah. know, I'd, I'd be an advocate for that again in the future because that's a, that's a good measuring True stick of, read, of, yeah. of, of how we're playing as a, as, a, as a team and as a club, where, what level we're playing at. Coming off of the full season, a lot of practices without a big break. Um, but, what's, you know, State Cup's always awesome. What's interesting is to see how many coaches have not a lot of subs on their bench. And that is because of the movement of the tryout season. The Albion team that your team played, the coach uh, lost a couple of his players, 
to a different program because they were not going to make academy in his program. Yeah. And there you go. That's not a true representation of Correct. his team. And I, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, you end league, and I wish we could play a state cup because the rosters are fixed and we're we're moving forwards. Like it's just. I just think the club world's totally shaken up now with everything that yeah. State Cup really, what does it mean? You know, like we started our year with State Cup. Yeah. People are ending their year with State Cup. Like, what does it really mean? That's, I think that's, it's lost now. It is. And it's, it's, it is the timing is strange. So, you know, I, maybe we're starting a trend. I, I'd like to see, I, I'd like to see us continue to focus moving forward on it's a kickoff of this, of that you know, measure our elite teams by how they do at Surf Cup and Man City Cup. Um, we'll, do, we'll continue to do Swallows Cup. There's Irvine Tournament, the Champions. There's other other things. But, you know, State Cup is special because of that 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 moving on to the next weekend and it becomes a knockout situation. And, and it is it is fun. So winning State. Got win State. Baby. March Madness, I like that a lot. Yeah, no, it is very similar. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ben, as a parent of... Um, I'm a child who's played both now State Cup and National Cup for the first time in this past weekend. How would you compare State and National Cup? Just your immediate comparisons coming off the back of a weekend at National Cup for the first time, whereas you've been used to State Cup for the past few years. Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the noticeable difference just is the just the talent level. You you know, you, it's funny we we played really well, um, but dominated the second game that we tied we dominated. I mean, we were just pounding on the door. We scored two goals, and but when you play at flight one level. You make a little bit of mistake and they'll make you pay. And yeah. so, in in where where the national cup versus different than state cup is, is just the every team is good. You, there's just no weak spots in that. Um, but overall, <laughs> we were out in Norco. I think it took half an hour to get out of the parking lot when we were leaving after That's the sorry. game. Yeah. Just a mess. Um, no real major differences. The other state cup experience I had this year was down at the same at the surf cup in uh, Oceanside, mm-hmm. which is a similar type of big facility. It's just great seeing hundreds and hundreds of kids out there and everybody kind of all excited about playing soccer. Yeah. yeah. So overall, you know, state cup pretty good so far. Sam, anything? I was state oh. cup in Florida. Yeah. My, my club never did it. <clears throat> Why we just had one or two teams that would do it, like the really really top teams, just for in terms of a good competition, or yeah, just a team that maybe had a chance to go and win. We had one team get beat in the final one year, which I I never coached a state cup game in in Florida. Happy about that way. Oh yeah, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, the the levels is always a hard thing at state cup that you run into you because said it. yeah right. So so if you're a flight one team <clears throat> playing at that level, you know that's fine if you're you're at that level, but if you're a a mediocre flight three team and you're playing against competition of a, of good flight two teams or in our case we're a solid flight two the girls t- t- 2010 teams a solid flight two team but you're playing kind of lower level flight ones the the competition level of uh, there can be big disparities yeah. right whereas they do a, i think they, they it's hard to get accurate flighting at the lower levels especially flight two and flight three Right, if you're a if you're a weaker flight three team and you go to state cup, you might not score a goal all weekend because you're playing flight two teams that have been playing down in the in the mayor's division, right? 
So, I mean, that's not fun. And, and moving forward, we've got to decide as a club if we want to subject some of our, you know, premier and select teams to just go and get battered or choose, a, choose another, another weekend where we can have really good flighted, accurate teams and be more competitive. Yeah, it's, I think it's massive. I think that your comment on National Cup is exactly right of it's, it's a true level. Uh, you know, there's not much differences. You, you look at the score lines in some aspects, it's, you know, it's tighter as well. In, in presidents, governors and mayors, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is all over the place. I watched a team past weekend. It wasn't our club, 09's boys team. And this one team were fantastic. Like, the kids, and I don't know what the score was, but... The parents weren't singing any chants. I think it got past that point. And I, the coach was walking past me after, and I just was like, hey, where are you guys from? And got talking to him. I was like, why are you guys playing in governors? Like, your kids are good. Like, and like I'm talking, you're, anybody, any Tom, Dick, and Harry that watching their kids practice would be like, these kids are like legit good. And he was like, well, we're a new team. Like, okay, well, that doesn't really... Your, your kids are still good. You should know that. And then I was like, does, does nobody help you? And and he just... To me, it didn't really come... He didn't sell me. It, it sounded like he... He played he down. Knew. He, he played knew. down intentionally. And he, just yeah. Most, and and yeah. I said to him, I was like, I'll tell you what. You guys wasted your time coming here winning that game 11-0. You could be playing a game next weekend against very good team and it'll test your kids and they'll get exposure and I think that's the biggest thing in State Cup, you know, who's wanting their kids to be tested and who's, but do Cal South do a good job of regulating the level? No. It's hard. Yeah. yeah it's, it's hard. I mean, and I would say in the fourth, the fourth team that I observed, there, if I looked at the brackets, there were a lot of zeros. So the fourth team in each, of, you know, it's brackets. Up the numbers. Is, just called, yeah. yeah. There was a big disparity between that bottom, you know, fourth. So if you have, you know, eight brackets, there's eight teams that are the clear bottom eight. Yeah, yeah. Which, hey, look, there's uh, Huddersfield, you know, Burnley. There's always a group at the bottom. Chelsea over the <laughs> Now, good, good discussions on, uh, on State Cup there. I think that was a... Uh, I think we covered all bases there, right? I mean, uh, just for me... 09s had a good weekend, very good competition. We played a very good team. We played not so a good team. We played a, a middle kind of team. So we got all all spectrums of the uh, soccer world there, and it was competitive. Results were good, which is not important. It's more about you know, like you say, it was a brand new team. I was very surprised how well they did for being a new team and coming together as a new roster, going to their first tournament. That's what it's about, right? Seeing where they fit, trying new positions. You know, them having fun. They were proud of themselves. Parents were proud. So. Overall, from a coaching experience, pretty good. I don't think any coaches have had bad experiences so far, which is, which is great to see. More important for the kids, so very good. Um, just quickly, we'll touch on this because I know we want to get to the parent questions because we had a lot sent in this week. But community developments, lots going on in the SoCal soccer scene as always. You know, uh, hot better talent, hot better coaches, hot better clubs. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, some big moves have happened over the last few weeks. Um, Carl. Dan. Currently wearing my glasses, getting ready for this <laughs> press conference. Uh, if we had a video option, I'll definitely bring it to you, but we don't as of now. Stay tuned for that. Uh, 
as club director, you're probably exposed to more news, meetings, changes than anybody of any of us. So uh, <laughs> some things that you've seen change or new upcomings in the community of SoCal soccer. Not much going on, really. Uh, I think, you know, what do you, what do you want to hit on? A certain brand of metal, maybe? I, I heard there was a com- I heard there was a competitive club that had some had some changes. Well, look, number one in our area, you know, there was there was a Pariadores, which is no longer there, which we're happy to announce again. We've become the one and only club in Manhattan Beach. So <laughs> thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, uh, I think there's been a lot of changes. We've seen a lot of changes from coaches from club to club. You know, my Sam and myself and Sam had interactions with the director of strikers and how many coaches did he say? Eight, I think eight on eight coaches left this club. That's and strikers? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of turnover there. But he hired some new coaches and gets back on it. Uh and then, you know, the big the big news of Galaxy Boys, something going on there and a new club called Steel United. So look for me. It's more games for our kids. That's the way I look at it. There's another team now that we'll get to play. It is what it is. At the end of the day, we are in Manhattan Beach. We're doing stuff in this community. Yes, we're focused on playing all the clubs and whatnot, but we usually don't really care what people are doing too much. So uh, all I hope is that the kids all find places to play and things stay consistent and whoever the guys are that's coaching for whatever clubs they're they're all good and they've got job security very political message on there well played well played well i'll, I'll just add i mean we're, we're we're dancing around but i mean there was a big change at, at the at the, at the, at the no, going no, 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 no no i mean no 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 but i mean no we're we're there was changes, you know, and we, I don't, I haven't heard the details, but it sounds like, you know, Galaxy lost most of their boys coaches and they went to a new club. And what I can say from a board level that we think about for, for parents um, is you are our customers, but I also have a really important customer and that's our coaching staff, right? And what we're really, I think about this as a, as a business, um, it's a, you know, for me, it's a volunteer thing, but it's also for these guys, this is their career and their, their, you know, this is how they make a living. So we try to think about paying living wages, showing guys like, you know, all these guys, career paths, um, trying to create more opportunities, you know, whether it's coaching three teams or running the media side, like podcast. Dan is the, running the podcast and social media and things like that. Right. Or the, becoming the sponsorship the director. Or, yeah. The club man. Right. For Brownfield. Right. For Carl, you know, overseeing the coaching staff and having, having 30, you know, 30 plus the two youngers, 32 teams, having 13 coaches, making sure that everybody's making living wages, showing a path to a career path, all the all the things that you would want in a regular business, you know, I can assure parents that we're thinking about it from a board level, and um, I want to avoid situations. There was a disruption. We had one coach leave. It disrupted our 2006 girls' age group. It really does. It had a little bit of an impact on 07s, but we don't want coaches to leave, and we want coaches to have long-term commitments to our club. We're doing things like we help pay for licensing. 
Uh, you know, we're trying to have trips to Vegas. Oh, you weren't a part of that. (laughs) (laughs) Trips to Vegas and Mammoth. No, but we really do. Oh, talking about Mammoth. You value you guys, and we make sure that you guys are feeling feeling the love from the from the overall from the club, and um, you know, see the path to long term relationships staying here for a while. We even sponsor some people's green cards. (laughs) Oh, did some people. (laughs) Have to be a chosen category. Sam, <laughs> keep your fingers, Sam, keep, keep your you fingers crossed the, on that. Hey, question is, and Valentine's Day is on the way. Do you feel the love? <laughs> <laughs> As host of the podcast, I felt that question should have been left to me because I was going to say that. But well, look, I'm jumping in yeah, here. You know I mean? Here we go. You've got a control. The I'm, there, you know what I mean? I'm feeling the love. Are you feeling the love, Sam? Yeah, yeah, I always feel a lot. On the back of the topic of the green card as well, you know you're in. A, you know, <laughs> 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 oh, you. I would pre- the way, presume you're feeling the love. <laughs> you forgot one announcement as well after State Cup. Uh, Sam's karaoke event. Oh, that he was hosting. Yeah, I got cancelled. So, his words were, you never shout to your first gig. As every, <laughs> every big time rock star artist knows, you got to keep the fans wanting more. <laughs> you, name, you let me know, that will be something I will come out for. <laughs> so can you confirm to all of our listeners that we will see you at some point in Tower 12? Oh yeah, singing probably one. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, oh, singing, singing, performing. I call it performing. I call it performing, not okay. singing. Okay, performing. Anyone, um, anyone can performing sing. Performing one the wall with a top hat on and a glass of cider in on the in your left hand. We might not have the top hat, but the rest will be pretty accurate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I might swerve, wear a swerve cag- side I might side. wear a cagoule. Cagoule. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. All right, guys. I think that'll do it for part two. Anything else? Anything else to jump on? Community developments? Yeah. Any other changes we've heard in the immediate community? No? No. no. no uh, oh. oh. I don't think it's in this community. What you got? There's, there's a man in uh, London that might be losing his job soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> we are not talking about the Premier League. <laughs> See you in part three. All right. Final part of the podcast for this week. Parent questions. We had a lot sent in, so thank you to everyone who did that. We've uh, managed to rustle up four for you, so we'll go straight into them. Question one, gentlemen. What have we got? I've got to find it now. Here we go. My son usually plays striker. Now the coach has him playing defence, but I want my kid to score. What gives? Who wants to jump on this one first? Let's, let's go Sam. We haven't heard from the club man yeah, in a while. He hasn't spoke much. Yeah. What's he, it be? Go he on. can go up and for corners, can't he? Is he, a, is he a big lad or a small lad? I don't know. He needs to give us more information, hey. don't he? We don't know. Dennis Erwin was small. <laughs> He's got Typical Man United reference. There it is. Sam, what, sorry, let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper here and give some uh, you know, constructive feedback. Uh, well, I mean, obviously the coach is putting that kid in defence for a reason. So maybe, maybe this kid's played forward all his life, but maybe this coach just sees something different. Soccer is very much an opinionated game it's not like the usual typical american sports where you can kind of say you know one player is better than another because you can look up some statistics uh so i would just basically say this this coach is seeing something in him that maybe other coaches haven't seen in him and if it is a massive issue just go and speak to the coach and make sure you're you're willing to listen to the coach's reasons for for playing this kid in defense is there a beauty to the fact that you can notice a kid can play defence which is not you know the most admirable or let's not say admirable the most covalent position you know it doesn't get maybe as much of the joy and, and the headlines and the credit as 
the striker does score in the winning goal. Is there a beauty to that? Like a kid who is... It's a team game, you know? Yeah. You know, someone's got to do it, right? He's got a job to do to stop the goals and someone else has now got the job of scoring the goals. Uh, So we can mention maybe goalkeepers as well, being the goalkeeper on the team. Yeah, people don't like to play goalkeeper, but you can can sometimes be the hero, you know? Carl, anything (laughs) on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think this is the normal situation of you signed up for a team and a coach and if a coach makes a decision it's his decision it's you're not the coach and although you want a situation for your kid uh the coach is only trying to do his best and make that kid as successful as possible so you know i think if it works for you great and if it doesn't that's okay as well so i think you just got to move on it's a bit like just to give you an example you know my opinion, I think the Chelsea manager should be set. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving on from that. Um, yeah, no, as a coach, I'll, I'll go with both of you guys. Nicely rounded up. Ben, anything you want to chuck in there as a parent? When you see maybe your child or another child who you who you know very well, maybe has been on your, your son or daughter's team for a while and they're playing a completely different position as a parent, maybe what do you think? Or do you just trust the coach? Yeah. I, yes. I tend to trust the coach and yeah. leave well, it in the coach's hands. But I'd also I'd also say, you know, I guess what I've heard, you guys know soccer much better than I do, but I always think about building from the back. And there might be more, like you said, coveted positions, scoring goals, you get the limelight and the press clippings and stuff like that. But... Um, you know, playing defense is a really important part of the game. Mm-hmm. So every position is important. Every position is important. Doesn't matter where they play. Yeah. Eight, playing, nine, ten, twelve. <clears throat> moving positions sometimes opens up a different opportunity for you. I, I can tell you a story of a guy I played in Florida. Played with actually back <laughs> home. He was he'd been a forward all his life, and we were playing at a, the academy of a pro club. He was a striker. He got released. So basically, the club deemed he wasn't good enough to play forward in the Premier League. He was actually at the training ground clearing out his locker and the first team were having like an inter-squad game and they needed an extra player. So they realised he was at the training ground, told him to put some boots on and he, he, he threw him in at right back. He ended up then being offered a professional contract and playing games in the Premier League as a fullback. So he was offered an opportunity just in a training game, did obviously a good enough job. The, the head coach then decided, okay, maybe we'll give this guy a, a chance as a fullback. And there you go. He's now. I think he's still a professional footballer, somewhere in a in a low level league in in Europe. Do but he's he's played in the Premier League. That's fantastic. I think he made his debut at Stamford Bridge. Do you want a name job or? Oh, we don't need to do that. Okay. No, but there's not a coach. We can say we're all about development, which we are primarily. But all the everybody is competitive and does try to win more games than they want to lose. So I don't think there's ever a time where a coach is putting a kid in a position where they think, th- th- this is he's gonna yeah he or she's gonna fail. And I'd, I'd, I'd also say, you know, I'm, I'm one, we talk about this a lot, is I think especially at young ages that kids need to, need to learn how to play as many positions as they possibly can. And you never know which one. You know, at some age you really want to specialize, but um, I want my kids to know how to play every position on the, on the pitch. Nicely done, gentlemen. Nicely done. All right. So let's go straight into question two then uh, from another parent. Let me just get this up on here. All right. Here we go. Pretty simple, actually. What is to be made of the Got Soccer rankings? So for those of you who may not be aware or have no idea what we're talking about when we say Got Soccer rankings, there is a website out there for... Is it accessible to everybody? Yeah, right. Everybody can see it. Um, all the rankings... So you will see your club team on there, I believe, uh, to a certain age. Is there? A, I don't think they have 
national rankings for the lower teams. Am I wrong in saying that? You I don't think it's... Do you it at a certain age because to, you keep the scores. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. it only starts at 10 or 9v9. 9v9 and up, yeah. So you can go on there, log on, see where your team is nationally ranked, state ranked, area ranked. You can see your record for the year, if you've moved up, if you've gone down, tournament results, all that good stuff. So all the numbers and figures that you'd ever want is on there. Um, so the question is, what is to be made of those rankings? I guess somewhere along the lines of, is it, are they accurate? Do we look at them? Do we use them? Um, are they, you know, are they widely regarded well or bad in the soccer community? I guess. Anybody want to jump? Oh, Sam uh, wants it. I think they give you they give you a, a decent idea. So if you're going into a tournament, let's say, or you know, your state cup, gives you a good chance to look up the team that you're going to be playing and have a rough idea. Of, you know, are they going to be a really strong team? Are they going to be a really weak team? They're not very accurate though in that you can kind of manipulate them if you want to because they go off your results and I believe that the results have to be inputted in from like a team manager or a coach. So if you really wanted to, you can, you know, miss off the times when you lose games, make sure you put in your wins. Um, you get points for certain tournaments. So if you win a tournament, you might get 500 points. You know, obviously I, I came up against teams who were just tournament teams and they had a really high ranking because they basically only played in tournaments where you, if you win it, you get bigger points than what you would do by playing in like a, a full league and accumulating your wins from that. So Yeah, there's, there's only certain tournaments that do got soccer points yeah, too. Yeah. So, so you yeah. can manipulate all those type of things. Yeah, I think uh, you shouldn't get over the top about the rankings on that. Like, you know, when coaches change teams or kids change teams, you know, it, things... Things are all different and it might not be the right representation, but I think to obsess about it is, look, I'll throw out my opinion. When I'm going into any tournament, there's sometimes I don't even look up the teams. You know, now there's other coaches and parents who obsess about this stuff, but I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy. Uh, I think if you're at a certain level, high school age, you know, and in college, of course, you should do your research and data about the team you're playing and get an idea of, you know, what formation they play. But I think any age under high school age, it's so inconsistent. You know, like, let's look at State Cup this weekend. It's pouring rain. Every kid is like got the flu, fever, you know, it, it's all over the place. It's just so hard to know what it's going to look like on the day. So... I don't obsess about it and just focus on my task at hand and what you're trying to do. So lunch date. That's 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 where I am at. I don't know if Sam, you agree or Dan or Ben, you disagree. I'm but just, that's de- just I'm just devastated at my 2016 when I'm not really ranked seventh in the nation. I thought that was a true figure, but obviously not. I think you have to win a couple of games to get seventh. <laughs> 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 it's a it's a good concept, and if there's a way to do it really accurately, it'd be great just to kind of know and see things. But I, yeah, I don't think people should take too much notice of it. All I'll say as a parent is sometimes there are some long drives to Norco or Lancaster or Temecula, and you drive with your buddy and you need something to talk about. So, so you're the guy. You got soccer rankings. No, I'm just saying we just, we just we run out of topics. It's like, all right, let's print, check our rankings you print here. Print off a tactical sheet for the coach. And you give it to <laughs> and kick up and say, "Coach, we should play a two-three-one." And this is why because their rankings. No, it's yeah. look, it's it's something to talk about on the yeah. sidelines. Yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. no need it's, to obsess about it. It's right. nice when you've got a team who are ranked high and you can kind of use it and you say, "Look, we're ranked tenth in the country or whatever." 
But again, it's it's Down not, Hill Sixes are ranked first in Manhattan Beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, Manhattan All Star team are first. We're second. <laughs> Ooh, no. okay. I did that on that purpose because I. Is that a segue? Yeah, hey, it's a segue for the next question. Come from inside. Is that, I think you're going to talk a little. Yeah, bit not here. you know. Don't take my third at Manhattan Village Field. I need that space. But yeah, no. <laughs> Head, <laughs> heading into the next question, purposefully, a parent. Quote for quote, I'm a world-renowned AYSO all-star coach and my elite team player has an AYSO game that I'm coaching at the same time as National Cup. What should I do? Heading into the battle of AYSO versus club. I'm just going to be, I'll kick it off, I guess. I'm just going to be honest. Not the biggest fan of AYSO as it is. I think it's great for certain kids who are an introduction to the game. Um, playing time, getting to play with their friends in a less structured, maybe in a less competitive manner. I think that's great. But I think when it gets to a certain point where you're, play- <laughs> you're playing in National Cup or even State Cup or you're playing Flight One club soccer and you've committed to... Which, you know, it's not cheap, right? Ben, as you know, as a parent of a club, it's not cheap to play club soccer. And when you're putting so much financial, emotional expense and time into it, then you should be committed to that. And if you're struggling to find an answer to where you should be committed at a certain time, if it's a AYSO All-Star game or a National Cup game, then I think you need to reevaluate that because I think that's a poor decision if you're thinking that you should be missing anything club-related at a certain age and a certain level for an AYSO All-Star game. Just my opinion. Uh, guys, I'll let you jump on that as well. Um, AYSO coaches, feel free to not reach out to me. Thanks. <laughs> guys... Uh, my opinion is that AYSO is good, like a supplement for your, your club soccer, but I think that club soccer should always come first, whether it's an all-star game or a regular game or you know, a playoff game. I think that the, the, the club soccer is on that next level and with, without trying to offend anyone, it's on the next level in terms of the level of the players and the level of the coaches and the level of the, organi- the organisation with it all. So I think, in my opinion, clubs should always come first. The the commitment, you know, on the club side is all year round and AYSO Extra Select All Star is really only based over the course of a few months. I think anybody to put the effort in all year round and skip that over something where you're only committing a couple of months is I think it's stupid, to be honest and I think for the elite kids, I don't know what it is, whether they feel pressured that they have to be there because maybe they're the best player on that team. And if they're not there, then their team is going to suffer for it. I think that's a big part of it. I think the parent plays a big part in that too. You know, I think there's a lot of different dynamics, but I think anybody listening to this and who's part of our club, I, you know, I think if you're choosing an AYSO game over a club game, our practice I think that's wrong you know I really do and we can't be too supportive on you trying to do everything but you know we're, we're trying to offer the top experience in soccer and that's our thought so uh, yeah I think I can't really get into anything else I think we talked before haven't we about yeah. kids playing ASO and the comparison even we talked before about hey my son you know, he's struggling to score a goal in club, but he scored seven this past weekend. And probably tells you something. 
yeah, you know, and, and I think to compare, you know, is, is bad. You shouldn't do that. And then to make the commitment that they're doing with us and make the commitment all year round. And then if, you know, some kids don't even know they're going to make an all-star team, right? Mm-hmm. Till what, November? You know, you don't even know you're going to... So so from January to November, you've played with your club team. And then to make a decision to miss, whether it's a league game, a national cup, even a practice to me, I think it's crazy, you know? And I think people to make that commitment is a little crazy too because they know they're not going to be able to make both work. So Yeah, and the counter-argument, you mentioned it earlier, the counter-argument from Paris always is... But AYSO is only two, three months, so can we just be committed to AYSO because it's only two, three months and we'll be back for nine, ten months of the club season, whereas we don't see it like that. There's certain points in the season in club where and rest are more is important very important. Rest is very important. And the overall education and level that you're playing at between the two is maybe not comparable. It is not comparable. So... Ben, seeing as we got you here, you might as well bring another perspective Yeah, well, I'll just, to it. I'll just chime in and say, you know, one of the challenges we have as a community club is just the, the, the line between being community-oriented and nice versus being really, you know, hard-edged about, about uh, and directness. So you don't want to offend parents and challenge, you know, it's ultimately parents' call on how and, and the kids, what they want to do with their families. Of course. Um, but, you know, in my eyes, there's, it's a no-brainer, club trumps AYSO period, end of story. I guess I could rationalize, hey, we've got a AYSO all-star game versus a club practice. Okay, I could, I could, I could, but certainly missing games and things like that. But it's really philosophically as a club, you know, so a lot of times in the past, we've always, you know, we've chosen to be nicer and try to be softer and try to do that. And a lot of times it backfires. So I think what we're probably going to have to do is sometimes have the tougher conversations and communicate our expectations. And if people choose to do kind of go against that, there may be repercussions in playing time in the future. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Happy with that? Well, they know how to approach Dan. He was, you know, very clear. Don't approach him. Don't. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't play AYSO if you want to be on my team, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, final question. What makes, you know, it's been a hard weekend. If you uh, saw the uh, Chelsea result and you know why I'm in a bad mood on a Monday. <laughs> what makes, final question, just to round off the um, final part of the podcast in week one, season two. Very bluntly, what makes a good team? Oh, it's a good team. tough, right? Maybe we can ask for each of us to say three things. List three things. What makes a good team? We'll go with Prez first. Sure. Well, three things for you that make a good team. I think team cohesion, right, yeah. and rapport. The team getting along, and I think a lot of that has to do with both how they how the players play on the pitch, but it's also the parent. I've been really lucky to have a team that there's a there's six of six families who've been together for all six years, so that's a really neat to be part of that. Um, you know, in this in this community, it's families I think that take this that understand that their kids aren't going to be professional soccer players and kind of have a good perspective, right? A good balance of intensity with development, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say, for, you know, number three is winning does matter. We, we, can, we can say it's just for development and results don't matter and stuff like that. But teams that win more have more fun and the teams stay together. 
So it's always, you know, a tough to balance of trying to give reasonably equal minutes to kids and playing kids in the right positions and playing positions that they want to play and, and trying to adhere to, you know, others. We try to do the best we can, but winning does make a difference in in overall fun from my observation of kind of the return rates and the parent satisfaction levels. <clears throat> winning is everything. We could tell we have an American in the room. <laughs> I I saved it for third. (laughs) You did. You did. So is that a ranking as well? Uh, Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Is that fair or not? uh, No, you you can challenge me. You got to win, right? That's your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's your team. Yeah, go on, Sam. Tough one. Can I say things invented? Yeah. Look, we understand you coach his kids, but <laughs> <laughs> you've got to be your I own can just person. See that green card application? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, winning's number one. <laughs> <laughs> so just do the reverse order of beds, I think you'll be good. Um, no, I think you've got to go with ability. You're going to have a good team, the, the kids have got to be good. Um, I'll also put in the hard work. I think to, to be a good team and to be successful, you've got you to work hard. I like that. I don't, think, I don't think you get anywhere without working hard, you know. People know the saying, hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard. I was going to use that. Mm. So I think you can have a, a good, successful team based off just hard work. Well played. Um, and then a good coach. There you go. A good coach that can lead the team. Sam is patting himself on the back <laughs> here as we speak. All right, I guess we'll work around... The room, I'll go third. My three, pretty similar to yours actually, Sam. Uh, work rate, commitment was number one. Team cohesion, start, took it, taken from you, Ben, number two. And then talent, number three. I think you need those three things. I think they're the core values to creating a good team. Yeah. I don't rank them one to three in terms of importantness, I don't think. I, I think, think they're all really good at writing essays in college, aren't you? <laughs> Copy and paste from Google. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough going third You're in the room. You're never getting caught on safe assignment, were you? <laughs> the thing is, I haven't, got a, I haven't got nobody to impress in the room, Sam, so I can, just, <laughs> <laughs> I, can just, I can just go with it, you know? But no, I think all those are equally important to creating a good team. Work rate, cohesion, talent for me. Riding it off with the OC. Anything new to the table? I'm, hey. I'm going to go... I went creative with the three c's all right so innovation here we go and i'm gonna i'm gonna go a different way i i do believe that no organization is as good if the manager isn't the best and i'm putting coaching as the top one okay i think if the coach ticks all the boxes not only on the field off the field i think you're off to a winner straight off the bat i think the second part is Wait, can I just jump in before you do that? Yeah. So what would you say to that, to then, to the teams out there who ha- are extremely talented and have great kids and you maybe have coached against or you've seen a coach who is not, as you would deem, if there is a criteria for that, a good coach? How do you, how would you... I think at the end, it, look, coaching youth kids is not just about a good team, right. you know? Yeah. yeah, I judge him on the... The behavior of the kids, the respect. The how's the how's the sideline? Yeah. You know, are they on time? Uh, that's I'm talking everything. That's the criteria. Just like a boss, in you know a business, he's got to tick all those boxes for that company underneath him to work. And and it's exactly the same. So I put coaching number one. I don't think you'll be a tr- true successful team at all levels if you don't have. A top coach, right. and when I say all levels, I don't just mean the playing on the field. 
So I'll you then, yeah. coach or coaching, number one. Yeah. Number two. As coaches, we can advocate for that. Number two, camaraderie or cohesiveness between the players, the coach, and the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is probably one of the toughest things to get. But again, it comes from the top piece. If the coach can create an environment where the players can feed off each other and enjoy each other, boom, you've done it. If they can feed off him or her, they've done it. And then if the parents can feed off the coach, perfect. Again, for me, that's a successful team. They've all got the same goals and they're moving forwards together. And then you guys say level and ability, but I think at any level and ability, our talent, you called it, I just think it needs to be competitive. I think if the kids are competitive with each other in training to that whatever level they suit, then they'll grow and they'll get better as a team. And that will be successful, right? Will they win state cup? Don't know, but that's, I think for me that when I look at our teams in our club, I look at what is the coach doing? I look at what are the kids like with each other, their coach and what are the parents like? And then I look at, is this team competitive with each other? and the teams they're playing on the field. And to me, I think that's a good team. The end. Good summary. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think everybody, well, put Sam and Ben together, can't we? So, but, hey, <laughs> by the way, everybody if, you just, to the table now, if yeah? you just want to look at my model, right? I'm just going to relate this to a team, right? You look at the coach, Chelsea. <clears throat> He's not doing well. His camaraderie with the players doesn't seem like it's working. Are the players being competitive in training? Rumor is some players are slacking off and their last three results, Dan are lost 4-0. Yeah, they had a win against the team bottom of the league, which is a given, and lost 6-0. Ooh. Chelsea's got to take on the three C's in my opinion. <laughs> and when Chelsea finish above Man United at the end of the season, we will come back. <laughs> I'm big trouble if they do. <laughs> we will come back to this podcast. <laughs> The three C's. The three C's. The three C's. Chelsea, 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 I think. All right, guys. Um, how are we going to round it off? Anything to finish? Uh, you know, it's a pleasure to be back. It was good to be back. I know the listeners are ready for us to release again. It's good to get back together in the office with Prez as a special guest. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Thanks for including me. This Absolutely. Was fun. Are, we on, are we on Apple yet? We are. Awesome. We are on Apple. Uh, Apple, Spotify. Periscope, Jim, Bob, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. What's, it's everywhere. What's our podcast got soccer ranking? Third. Third? Yeah. God, I've got to start climbing that table. Is yeah. that right? Behind, behind Boys 07 Elite Premier. Uh, Boys 07 Elite Team, because, you know, Ben's in the room. Uh, their podcast is the best. Apparently the sideline over there is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and in second place is the Manhattan Beach AYSO All-Star Team. <laughs> Jeez. So we're third, but we're, we're climbing, right, fellas? And you're not going to get use any goals. If <laughs> Carl, last in thoughts? No, see ya. Have a good week. Sam? Uh, be seeing ya. <laughs> Cheers, guys. And that's it. Week one in the books. Find it on Apple, Spotify, Anchor. I think are our top three platforms to get it on. Share it on social media. You can find it on our Facebook and Instagram pages as well, Santa Surf Soccer Club. Uh, check out the brand new website. I'll put, we'll put a feature on there. And uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.
Welcome to Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. John Vardy steps up for the deaf kick. Blocked by the goaltender. Goal rejection.